You're listening to The Diplomats Podcast on Asian geopolitics. As always, I'm your host, Ankit Panda, recording from Washington, D.C. And today I'm joined by a guest that should be familiar to some of our listeners and longtime subscribers. Uh, returning to the show today is Abhigyan Reg, the Director of Research at Diplomat Risk Intelligence. Abhi, how's it going today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you, Ankit, for having me on your show. It's my pleasure to have you back. And uh, we're going to talk today about a recent product uh, that Abi has been overseeing uh, at Diplomat Risk Intelligence. Uh, but Abi, before we get into uh, into t- today's discussion, uh, which will focus on the Indian economy, uh, which is the subject of this latest report, uh, I thought it'd be, it might be useful for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what exactly Diplomat Risk Intelligence, uh, or uh, DRI uh, as it's known for short, uh, actually does. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been up to there. So... The way, uh, Ankit, uh, we are imagining DRI is uh, as eventually we'd like to see it grow up to be rather uh, the leading risk intelligence firm that focuses on the Asia-Pacific using bespoke uh, research methodologies, both qualitative and quantitative. And we focus, while we are focusing on, on geopolitics and associated subjects, such as economics. Um, We also look uh, at emerging technologies, which is an an area of focus at DRI. We also look at uh, quantitative, innovative quantitative methods, which is something um, uh, that that we would also like to look at, and just generally provide solutions to businesses, nonprofits, and governments to act on tomorrow's challenges today. So actionable intelligence, bespoke methodologies um, through reports, uh, client briefings, uh, and also some multimedia products that that are in the pipeline. Excellent. Great. And uh, I think, uh, you know, our listeners will get a good idea of the kind of work that DRI is capable of outputting uh, over the course of today's discussion. Uh, So, Abhi, uh, you know, you recently oversaw um, this new report uh, from DRI uh, focusing on the state of India's economy and particularly what the recovery or the lack thereof, so to speak, from the current crisis in India, uh, the economic crisis related to uh, the measures taken in India to contain COVID-19, what that's going to look like. Uh, So the report's called Comorbid, India's Economy and the Pandemic. It's available. uh, It's out now and it's available on the Diplomat Risk Intelligence website. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, but Abi, let's uh, you know take a step back and uh, take a, a take a um, take stock of the big picture here. Uh, so India's economy uh, really has been hit hard, as as so many economies across the Asia Pacific region and across the world uh, had been over the last year. Um, according to the recent uh, official Indian government data, uh, the Indian economy contracted by seven point three percent in the twenty 2020, twenty twenty one financial year. Uh, and that was actually before a lot of that contraction actually occurred before India's devastating COVID-19 uh, second wave, uh, which uh, has now um, is beginning to stabilize. But uh, certainly, uh, I think you know all of our listeners will be well aware of the situation uh, in the country, uh, especially in May 2021. Um, further data, uh, the Indian economy grew at an annualized rate of around just 1.6% in the period between January and March uh, earlier this year, the first quarter of the year. Uh, and that's according, again, to uh, GOI figures released um, at the end of May. Um, but let's take, uh, let's take a look at the bigger picture here, Abhi. I mean, India's 
economic performance, I think, is a question that is fundamentally uh, fundamentally carries quite a bit of geopolitical importance inherently. Uh, India has long been seen as sort of the Asian giant, the democratic counterweight in many ways to a rising China. And it doesn't matter what India chooses to do with its foreign policy, with its uh, military procurement investments, uh, activity around the world, its uh, energetic diplomacy. At the end of the day, um, the economic performance uh, of the Indian economy, uh, I think, really will seep into all of these issues. It will affect how countries, uh, adversaries and friends of India alike see the country and see its role in the Asia-Pacific region. So tell us a little bit about your top-line findings um, over the course of this DRI report. What is the broader outlook for the Indian economy in the in the near term? So, Amkit, as you, as you, as you pointed out, uh, the big picture is bleak, right? So as... Um, one analysis uh, shows that even if the Indian economy grew uh, between financial year 20, uh, 2021 and 2022 by, say, another 7%, right, the net growth between financial years 20 and 22 will still be zero, right? So basically, it will take us two years to be where we were, uh, we were uh, two years ago. So, so and, and this is assuming, I mean, uh, that, that this growth happens, that, that sort of cancels out the contraction that, that, that you mentioned. Um, so overall, clearly the situation is very bad. What is interesting is, 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 uh, it, is uh, over the course of, of uh, preparing this report, we had talked to um, eight very prominent Indian economists, including a former chief economic advisor, including a former chairman of, of, uh, of, of an Indian bank and so on and so forth. And uniformly, the picture that emerged from, from these discussions were that uh, the pandemic has basically added to existing problems. So the Indian economy was already under severe stress even before the pandemic hit, right? So you have problems with uh, with growth. Obviously, that's something that happened. Um, you had several policy decisions that were made by the Modi government that added uh, quite a bit of stress to the Indian economy, including a 2016 decision to scrape 86% of Indian currency. You had uh, a delayed uh, introduction of uh, of a goods and services tax, which uh, which had a lot of like teething problems, which uh, which added to stress to small businesses. You had problems with uh, in India's banking sector, right? So, which was saddled with a lot of non-performing assets, bad loans, some of it because of infrastructure lending. Uh, so, all of this was in the backdrop. Oh, okay, and, and another important thing is that you had a huge employment crisis also, uh, and and a lot of questions on top of everything, a lot of questions about official Indian numbers. So, these things existed. These were the comorbidities, as one expert put it, and that's the title of our report. And what the pandemic has done is that it has contributed, it has deepened these problems, it has added a fresh layer of, 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 of questions, uh, a fresh layer of concerns on top of this. So just to give you one example of what these concerns are, one concern here is that the pandemic could contribute to a fresh wave of bankruptcies, to, which will saddle India's uh, banking sector with yet another layer of 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 bad loans and this could be this is a shock that could be transmitted from uh, um, uh, lending to uh, uh, small medium uh, micro small and medium enterprises and then uh, if they are unable to pay because of the second wave 
uh, that will saddle the banking sector. Right. Uh, employment, we expect the employment crisis to be uh, uh, become a lot worse, and it was already very bad. So the top line picture here is comorbidities, right? So you already had problems with the Indian economy long before even the first wave of the pandemic hit. And this is just going to make things a lot worse. Right, right. Now, I think I think you know you put it you put it quite well. And obviously, you know this has sort of uh, all sorts of follow on effects for Indian society and 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 uh, and the way in which India really, I mean, the self perception of ordinary Indians for one, right? I mean, we've seen really, um, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions even of Indians fall out of the middle class uh, as a result of the pandemic, which uh, has I think longer term implications for uh, the country's fortunes in general. Uh, but, you know, I mean, uh, you you brought up a good point, which was that India was already facing economic headwinds uh, well before the pandemic. Uh, since around, you know, 2018 or so, the economic narrative really began to turn. Uh, and you and you pointed to earlier decisions by the Modi government as early as 2016, the demonetization decision in November 2016 and so forth. Um, but, you know, what was interesting is that India being a large major economy, um, uh, a large uh, emerging economy, has sort of faced those headwinds also from certain external factors, right? Um, falling global commodity prices, decline in international trade, uh, the rivalry between the U.S. and China in some ways intensifying, uh, which you know was a double-edged sword for New Delhi in some ways, benefited it and and cost uh, India quite a bit as well. And, and finally, uh, you know, the decrease in manufacturing output across the developed world. So if we sort of flip that logic, you know, take into account that uh, headwinds for economies like India, large emerging economies, can come from external sources. When we sort of think about the recovery from global um, from COVID nineteen uh, economically on sort of a global level, um, what are you know uh, do you see sort of certain places in which where uh, you know if if you are an investor or a business person looking for some sliver of good news about the Indian economy, are there certain uh, you know reasons to be optimistic just given what's happening? Um, outside in the world, and obviously, you know, there's lots of factors here, including vaccine inequality, adoption, uh, the um, adoption of um, of um, of vaccinations more broadly. But when you think about the recovery, so to speak, uh, and sort of external factors, what's your what's your take on the Indian economy there? So, you know, you mentioned foreign investors uh, looking for good news or bad news, or, or in general trying to gauge what's going on with the Indian economy. The interesting thing is that if you look at the foreign direct investment numbers, right, they remain robust. So, so, so uh, we have not seen much impact on on foreign direct investment. The uniform outlook, again, this this was a, a point of consensus among the experts that that uh, we spoke to for the report was that foreign investment, direct investment will continue to come in. So, and specifically we identified a few sectors. Right? So they said pharma uh, would be where uh, foreign investors would do very well to invest because India still, despite all the, all the news about India's vaccine uh, capabilities and whether it could, it could uh, or, or whether the country can deliver on the vaccination front pharma sector remains very strong so that was that, that was that was one one uh, area um that the people said was was a bright spot i think the the overall um direction of the indian economy would be something to watch and this is beyond the issues that that we just identified you know existing problems then of course covid-19 you see, something also on top of everything is happening uh, with the economy, which is that it, exactly, almost exactly 30 years ago, India embarked on a very ambitious economic liberalization program, right? Arising uh, uh, out of a balance of payments crisis that happened in uh, 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 following the Gulf War and, and, and the end of the Cold War. 
And so there was a consensus in India, political consensus, uh, that liberalization is good, liberal economic regimes are good, uh, international trade is good. And what you've seen, again, and, and this is something that, that, that predates the pandemic by a few months, but especially something that Mr. Modi has spoken about following the pandemic, which is that that consensus around liberal economic regimes uh, have now been brought to question. So when prime, the Prime Minister speaks about an Atmanirbhar Bharat or a self-reliant India, what essentially some people read that to be is some form of a return to economic autarky, which was uh, India's mainstay till 1991. So if you go beyond all the issues with numbers, with, 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 with uh, you know, growth numbers or, or stress on banks, et cetera, et cetera and you, you ask yourself a very big question as to what kind of an economy India wants to become? There are there is a rethink there in in official circles whether for ex for example whether international trade fundamentally is good or not. So when Modi speaks about uh, Atmanirbhar Bharat, he says we are going to export, but we're going to cut down on imports. Right now, you know that that India for the longest time before uh, we uh, the, the country uh, liberalized its uh, economy in 1991, import substitution was was a was a, was a, was a big big economic mantra are we are we when modi then speaks of atmanirbhar bharat are we looking at a return to 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 uh, such regimes uh, uh, that remains to be seen okay great so abi i mean before we before we break um um you know because we are uh, uh, coming to the end of our time here i did want to ask you about one particular tool in sort of the uh the indian government's quiver which is monetary policy which has had a very kind of mixed record uh, in india in terms of supporting growth and, uh, you know, in the report, you observed that monetary policy as a tool for India uh, can only really serve a very limited role here. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what has happened uh, in terms of how the Indian government has responded to uh, the pandemic is both basically through monetary tools. Right. So in terms of actual fiscal support, fiscal tools being uh, being being used, uh, the, the um, experts have said that that you know India could have done done a lot more, but and and if also you, you know there's a, a, a there's this obvious optics of seeing the Reserve Bank of India, for example, playing a frontline role uh, or, or in in managing the the pandemic. So so all a large number of policy announcements that have been made uh, about how to combat uh, the pandemic has come from the RBI governor. So there is that already. There is that um, um, uh, accent on monetary policy as as a way to a way to manage manage the, manage the pandemic as opposed to fiscal tools. But again, you, you know, can you spend yourself out of a out of a crisis in 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 that that can you can you print money rather than spending yourself out of a crisis? Can you just print money to? To pull yourself out of uh, out of crisis, this is this is something you've seen in in the in the U.S. Right, you've seen the the United States do this. India has tried to do it, but then there are other concerns. Right? So one concern, obviously, with that is inflation. Also, one expert that who uh, pointed out to us that uh, uh, you could see a scenario where inflation is very high, and unemployment is also very high, and and which leads, leads us to this classic. Stagflation uh, uh, type of scenario that, uh, that 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 raises new risks. So yeah, monetary policy uh, has been on the front line. Is it a great thing? 
uh, what are the second and third and higher order effects of 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 monetary tools uh, at adverse effects of using monetary tools to to combat the crisis remains to be seen great well abi before we close out is there anything else you'd like to uh, emphasize uh, insofar as the top line findings of the report go i think w- one thing that 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 uh, we didn't talk uh, much about and, and and i think this was this was an important issue was what does this pandemic mean for uh, lives and livelihoods because i mentioned right in the beginning of 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 the, of the discussion that india's employment figures or, or rather unemployment figures were already very high and there was a lot of controversy about the quality of 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 data uh, and there was there was if you remember there was a leaked report uh, from the government statistical office around fresh unemployment figures which the, which which uh, the government then uh, then sort of uh, negated um, because if you have a situation where india's not generating enough jobs right india's so called demographic dividend gets called to question and then that itself if you have a large youth, uh, population of unemployed young um uh, who uh, uh, who are then perhaps driven to um sectarian causes driven to criminal activities because uh, of 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 lack of job opportunities then that creates an inter- an internal security concern right yeah the internal yeah exactly and i think uh you know that kind of blowback is something that is uh, certainly something that we should um remain remain cognizant of in this context Abi, I want to thank you for uh, coming on today to talk about uh, this new report from Diplomat Risk Intelligence. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to come on today. Thank you, Ankit. Great. Uh, for listeners, if you like what you heard on the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you've been a subscriber for a while, but you haven't yet left us a review, you can do that on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you get your shows. Uh, we really do appreciate that. Uh, it, it helps the show grow quite a bit. So thanks a lot for listening, and I'll be back soon with more.